Book Four, Chapter Eighteen of Clara Vaughan, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Suman Barua. Clara Vaughan, Volume Three, by R. D. Blackmore. Book Four, Chapter Eighteen they put me in the very hammock where that murderer of all my happiness had slept and no wonder that i could find no rest there soon as i knew the reason i was allowed to change and crept into the little berth where my innocent pets had lain in each other's arms here i slept much better than a king for i even fancied that it smelt of lily if little lily as she shall be called whatever the rogues have christened her if my little beauty for that i am sure she must be ever comes to light when i am in my grave remember one thing clara you will find her breath and general fragrance just as her mother's were such things are hereditary especially among women after a long and stormy passage and a fortnight spent in repairing at bordeaux we passed the familiar essex marshes by night and were off the custom-house by the last day of the year when that tedious work was over talk as we please of the douane our own is as bad as most of them feeling quite out of my latitude and not a bit like an englishman i betook myself to a tavern near london bridge there everything seemed new and i could not walk the streets without yawning into the wrong tide but one old london custom held its ground with time papers a week and a fortnight old still strayed about in the coffee-room being told that the journals of that day were in hand as they always are i took up a weekly paper of some ten days back to yawn over it till supper-time it was too late for me to think of disturbing peter green by a sudden arrival and so i had ordered a bed at this hotel the weekly gazette in my hand was one of those which used the shears with diligence and method under the heading provincial news i found the following paragraph seasonable benevolence we understand that in these times of severe and unmerited pressure upon the agricultural interest the true backbone of old england the head of one of our most ancient and respected county families has announced his intention of remitting to all his tenantry no less than twenty per cent upon their rentals he has also bespoken a lavish and most princely repast shall we say dinner to be provided on christmas eve for every man woman and child upon his large domain when we announce that mine host of the elephant is to be major domo and our respected townsman joe jenkins who purchased as our readers are aware the gold medal ox at smithfield is to cater for the occasion need we say anything more at the risk of gratuitous insult to the intelligence of the county we must subjoin that the honoured gentleman to whom we allude is henry valentine vaughan esquire of vaughan park is not such a man the representative of time-honoured sentiments and who to a distinguished degree adds the experience of continental travel 
is not such a man we ask a thousand times fitter to express in the senate the opinions and wishes of this great county than the scion we had almost said spawn of the manchester mushrooms whom a castle that shall be nameless is attempting to foist on the county we pause for a reply gloucester argus my dear brother's distinguished degree was that of b a after a narrow escape from pluck clara don't look offended your father had very good abilities but spent most of his oxford time in pigeon matches at the weirs and expeditions to bagley wood which later in life he would have looked upon as felonious this paltry puff would never have been reprinted by a london journal of eminence and influence but for the suggestion at the end which happened just to hit the sentiments of the more exalted editor now this weekly paper was sure to circulate among refugees from the continent by reason of its well-known antipathy towards them and there happened to be in this very number a violent tirade against our government for displaying what we delight to call the mighty aegis of england i saw the danger at once and my heart turned sick within me my gay and harmless brother in the midst of his christmas rejoicings and a stealthy murderer creeping perhaps at that very moment towards him but even if it were so was there not some chance of lepardo discovering his mistake when in the neighbourhood where the warns were so well known yes some chance there was but very little bound upon such an errand he would not dare to show himself or to make any inquiries even if they seemed needful and the mention by that cursed gossip of what he called continental travel your father's wedding tour would banish all doubt of identity had any been entertained even supposing that cold-blooded fiend should meet my poor brother face to face in the open daylight it was not likely that he would be undeceived lepardo and i had met only once and then in hot encounter my brother was like me in figure in face and in voice and though i was somewhat taller and much darker of complexion the former difference would not attract attention unless we stood side by side the latter would of course be attributed to the effects of climate from the gamekeeper's evidence i am now inclined to believe that lepardo while lurking in the lower coppice among the holy bushes must have cast his evil eyes on your poor father's face and convinced himself that he beheld his enemy flurried and frightened i looked at the date of the paper it was twelve days old possibly i might yet be in time for most likely the murderer would set out on foot according to corsican practice with the travel stone bound on his knee even if he had travelled in modern fashion he would probably lurk and lie in ambush about the house enduring hunger and cold and privation until his moment came could i leave for gloucester that night no the last train would have started before i could get to paddington so i resolved to go by the morning express which would take me to gloucester by middle day after a sleepless night i was up betimes in the morning and went through the form of breakfast while the cab was sent for presently a waiter came in with the morning papers 
the papers of new year's day eighteen forty three what i saw and what my feelings were you my poor child can too well imagine that day i could not bear to go it was cowardly of me and perhaps unmanly but i could not face your mother's grief and the desolate household therefore i persuaded myself that i had discharged my duty by visiting all the london police stations and leaving the best description i could give of lepardo the following day i left london and arrived as perhaps you remember long after dark and during a heavy fall of snow there at the very threshold i began amiss with you for i outraged your childish pride by mistaking you for the housekeeper's daughter with a well-born child's high self-esteem and making no allowance for the dim light you believed it to be a sham intended to mortify you and it poisoned your heart towards me but you were wholly mistaken my mind was full of your mother and of the terrible blow to her to you whom i had never seen and scarcely even heard of i never gave a thought except the mistaken one that you were not old enough to be sensible of your loss little did i imagine what a fount of resolute will and deep feeling found a vent in the kicks and screams of the large-eyed minikin that would not be ordered away you are entitled clara to know all that i have done towards the discovery of your father's assassin and all that i can tell to aid your own pursuit the hair found in your mother's grasp was beyond a doubt lepardo's that laid upon your father's bosom was of course my lilies it was to show that a supposed seduction had been expiated the one thing that most surprised me was that the murderer left no token no symbol of himself in a vendetta murder they almost always do as a mark of triumph and a gage to the victim's family hence i believe that signor desio was not killed in vendetta but by his nephew for gain how lepardo got into the house i have no idea or rather i had none until you told me of the secret passage and mr daldy's entrance till then i always thought that he had clambered up as he did at veduta tower but unless there was a traitor in the household he must have been there more than once to have known so well your father's sleeping room it would have been waste of time for me to concern myself about the county police that body of well-conducted navies lepardo would have outwitted them when he was five years old neither did i meddle with the coroner and his jury but left them to their own devices and indigenous intellect these displayed themselves in much puzzle-headed cross-questioning sagacious looks and nods and winks of acute reservation it was as most often it is a bulldog after a hare lepardo might safely have been in the midst of them asked for a chair and made suggestions as amicus curiae but with the london police it was somewhat different they showed some little acumen but their fundamental error is this they pride themselves on their intelligence no man of any real depth ever does such a thing as this he knows very well that whatever he is there are half a million more so 
that the age of exceptional intellects expired at least in this country with mr edmund burke and is not likely to rise from the dead now we are all pretty much good useful clods on a level education like all good husbandry tends to pulverization and if the collective produce is greater let us be at once thankful and humble the london police being proud of their intelligence declared that there could be no doubt about their catching the criminal they laughed at my belief that he might walk through the midst of them while they would touch their hats to him and beg him to look after his handkerchief at one time i think they were really on his track and i went to london and stayed there and did my best to help them but they were all too late lepardo if he it were had left for paris the week before to paris i followed but found no trace of him there then i went on to corsica thinking it likely that he would return to his old piratical ways moreover i wanted to see how my children's estates were managed and to revisit st catherine's all was calm and peaceful lily's grave and her father's were blended in one rich herbage there all the bloom of my life was drooping like the yellow mountain rose whence if a single flower be plucked all the other blossoms fall count gaffori received me kindly his daughter was married and had two children who played where lily's boy and girl should by rights be playing i could not bear it and came away having nothing now to care for wherever i went the world seemed much of a muchness to me and to my own misfortunes the blood of my brother was added i found the lily flower still under worthy petro and returned in her to england and she still is mine petro would not come he was too true a corsican to leave the beloved island now his hair was grey so i set him up at calvi with a vessel of his own and now and then i receive a letter from good mark antonia they have promised to watch for the reappearance of our fearful enemy and petro has sworn to shoot him if ever he gets a chance after my return to england i set to work with all my energy to improve this property in this if in nothing else i have thoroughly succeeded much opposition i had to encounter for the tenants regarded me as a mere interloper and their hearts were with you and your mother when i call them together to-morrow as i intend to do abandon all my right title and interest and declare you their signora it is my firm belief that they will hardly think me worth cursing before they worship you this old retainership is a thing to be proud and yet ashamed of it is a folly that makes one glory in being a fool why after you left for devonshire much as you know against my will i could not ride out without being insulted and even the boys called me jonathan wilde but this was due in some measure to your father's gay geniality and hearty goodwill to all men contrasted with my satiric and moody reserve neither were your youth and sex and helplessness lost upon that chivalrous being if he only knew his chivalry the sturdy english yeoman why did i let you go well i believe it was one of the many mistakes of my life but i had a number of reasons though personal dislike of you was not as you thought one of them 
no my child i've never disliked you not even on the night when you came and denounced me with the dagger in your hand i must indeed have been worse than i am if i could have nourished ill-will against a young thing whom i had made an orphan by some instinct you knew from the first that the deed was mine although i was not the doer i would have loved you if you would have let me my heart yearned so over children but of my reason for letting you go the chiefest perhaps setting aside that i could not stop you was this consideration for years i had longed and craved in my heart of hearts to tell your mother all and obtain her gentle forgiveness but any allusion no matter how veiled and mantled to the story of her loss through her as you know well into a most peculiar state wherein all the powers of mind and body seemed to be quite suspended with a man's usual roughness of prescription for the more delicate sex i believed firmly that total change of living and air and place and habits would relax this wonderful closure secure my forgiveness and re-establish her health the shock i received at her death was almost as terrible as when my brother died when i stood beside you at her grave i was come with the full intention of telling you all my story and begging you to return with me and live once more in your father's house but your behaviour to me was so cold and contemptuous that i forgot my crushing debt to you and humiliation became for the moment impossible i meant however to have written to you that evening before you should leave the village but as you now are aware that very evening i was smitten helpless partially recovering after months of illness i was deeply distressed to find that you had left your good friends in devonshire and were gone my informants could not say whither neither had i learned your whereabouts up to the time of my last illness when i was making inquiries of which your enemy reaped the benefit for the rest you know that i never meant to rob you of your inheritance though bigoted nonsense enables me to-morrow please god i will put it out of my power to do so mrs daldy's motive you have long since perceived failing my children and the attainted lepardo her son is the heir to all the lands of the della croce she has held me much in her power by her knowledge of parts of my history henry's baptismal entry as well as that of my marriage was in the packet she stole one word more my darling and from an old man who has wandered and suffered much you will not think it impertinent leave your revenge to god in his way which we call wonderful because the steps are unseen he will accomplish it for you as righteousness demands any interference of ours is a worm cast in his avenue though i am stricken and dying he if so pleases him will bring me my children before i die that i bless him and tell my lily i fell upon the old man's neck old he was though not in years and as i wept i kissed him how could i have wronged him so and how could i keep myself from loving one so long unhappy if sorrow be the sponge of sin his fault was wiped away End of chapter 18